Let's open God's holy word to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we'll read verses 40 through 52. Luke 2, begin reading at verse 40. Luke 2 is, of course, about the birth of Jesus Christ, but then at the end of the chapter speaks of his youth. Luke 2, verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child, Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. On the basis of that passage and many others throughout Scripture, the Heidelberg Catechism explains the fifth commandment to us in Lord's Day 39, which you'll find on page 22 in the back of your Psalter. Lord's Day 39, question and answer 104. What doth God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and all in authority over me and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Children and young people, God has something to say to you this morning. And you may go home after this morning service and say to yourself and others, God Himself spoke directly to me in church this morning through the preaching of His Word. In number five of the Ten Commandments, God speaks specifically to the children of the covenant of grace, from the little ones to the teenagers. 
The fifth commandment, of course, applies more broadly than to the children of the church and calls all of us to submit to God-ordained authority that God puts in our lives in various places. In every relationship of our life, we come into contact with these two concepts, don't we? Very really, authority and submission. It's no abstract thing. In every sphere of life, there is authority and there is submission. God is a God of order. And part of the way he orders human relationships is with these two things, authority and submission. And often, they're interchanged for individual people and individual spheres so that you might have authority in one sphere and have to submit to authority in another sphere. A police officer, for example, has a whole lot of authority in a certain sphere. He has authority over that teenager who works at McDonald's in a certain sphere, but at the same time, that police officer, when he goes through the drive-thru at McDonald's, he submits to the authority of that teenager who tells him, pull forward in your car and park right there and wait for us to bring the french fries out. There's authority and submission everywhere, and it's constantly interchanging. And yet, all of that finds its origin and its center of focus in the home and the authority of parents and the submission of children to parents in the home. And so that is the focus of the fifth commandment. And this morning, that's going to be the focus of the sermon. As God addresses himself specifically to you children and to you young people growing up in your parents' home. God addresses one of the Ten Commandments specifically to you because He's your Father. It's not just the adults whom He's taken out of the house of bondage and brought into His own house, but it's the children of the church too. Think about the Israelites to whom this law originally came. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. To whom was that directed? Not just to the adults. They were taken as a covenant people out of Egypt. Not just the adults, but the children too were baptized into Moses in the Red Sea as they went through that Red Sea. And so God speaks His law to them, all of them, adults and children. And He does the same to the covenant people of God today. The sacrament of baptism is applied to you children too. With your parents, you are the covenant people. Organically considered, therefore, this word comes to you as the children of the church, the children of the covenant, the children of the kingdom of Jehovah God. And God speaks one of His Ten Commandments specifically to you. You too I've taken out of the house of bondage and brought into my own house and I have something to say to you. You need to remember that I am the ultimate authority in this house. I am your Father. 
And as your father, I have set up other authorities in my house, chief of which is your own parents. And I call you to submit yourself to them. Obey them. And when you obey them, you're obeying me. And you can obey them. Organically considered, again, I give my Holy Spirit to the children of the church, not only the adults, that you might be able to grow in obedience. You love me, do you not, children? God says to you, you love me, don't you? I've taken you out of the house of bondage into my own house. Here's how you say thanks to me. You learn to bow the knee to me as your father. And you learn that first by bowing the knee to the parents that I give to you in your home. So this morning, let's take up the fifth commandment under the theme, the command to children. Let's notice first the duty that you children have. Second, the trust. The trust that it takes to obey this commandment. And third, the blessing that comes in the way of obedience. The command to children, the duty, the trust, and the blessing. The command that comes to you, children, in the fifth commandment begins with the calling that you, children, show honor to your parents. The Heidelberg Catechism explains this fifth commandment by saying that it requires that the children, young people, show all honor, love, and fidelity to their father and their mother. We're going to take those three, but begin with honor. The catechism begins with honor because the fifth commandment itself has that word honor in it. Honor your father and your mother. To honor is to show respect to. Almost synonyms. Honor and respect. And to show respect to chiefly because of the position that God has given them in your life. That word, honor, the biblical word for honor, means to be heavy, to be weighty. And to honor or to respect your parents' children is to view them as heavy, as weighty. Not heavy or weighty in terms of physical pounds, although probably they are heavier than you are from that point of view too, but heavy or weighty from the point of view that they are big in your mind. They carry weight with you. They are important in your mind. You look up to them with a certain sense of awe and reverence because of the fact that God has put them in this position of authority in your home and in your life. There was a day and age where this sense of honor and respect for parents and their position of authority was much greater generally than it is now. Can you even imagine that there was a day and an age when it was common, it was normal, that if a child was sitting in a room, maybe doing his homework or doing something else, and his father walked into the room that the child would immediately stand up 
out of respect for his father, and he wouldn't sit down again until his father either first sat down or said to his child, you may sit down. Because his father has entered the room, and his father is whom he respects, has a position that God has given me. And he represents the headship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show my attention to him when he comes into the room. If Christ would come into the room, I would surely show my attention and respect to him. Well, my father represents Jesus Christ in my home. I'm not saying that we need to go back to doing that. That's not the point. But the point is, there should be a difference in the covenant community, in the way children that you look at your parents and the way that you treat, treat them, there must be a sense of this weight of honor and respect for them because of the position that God Himself has given them in your life and in your home. And so you don't talk back to them. You don't raise your voice to them. You don't speak to them in such a way that it leaves the impression that you don't honor them, that you don't respect them for the position that they are given. You don't yell at them, scream at them, throw a tantrum in front of them. But you speak to them with a certain sense of humility and and respect, even if you don't really like what they're saying to you at the moment. You hold their words as important to you because of the position that they're in. You desire to please them because of who they are in your life. And it should crush you if they're not pleased with you. They're your parents. Do you respect them, children? Are you interacting with them in this way? Would everyone in this day and age which is a day and age characterized, 1 Timothy, by disobedience to parents, would they be able to see there's something different in the children of believing parents in the families of Christians? It's part of your witness, children. You don't wait till you get older to give witness to other people. Can you imagine what a witness? It's a huge witness in this day and age that you show respect and honor to your parents. It shows this is a Christian family. You need to show that to your parents regardless of whether they are being honorable at a particular moment. Nonetheless, parents, are you being honorable, respectable, calling forth this honor and respect not only by your words saying you need to respect me, you need that too, but also by being respectable and being honorable. There are, of course, some parents who don't call their children to obey them or respect them or to honor them precisely because they know deep down, though they'd never say it, that if I do that, then I have to behave in such a way that's honorable and respectable in front of them, and I have to provide them an example, and I don't want to do that. I don't want that pressure. And so I'm not going to call them to obey me and to honor me. I don't want to live 
this way I want to live like I'm still in college. At least on Friday night. I don't want to have to live like I am providing an example to them. This commandment that God gives to the children implies, of course, that as parents, we are giving them an example of an honorable parent and respectable parent, providing them with good instruction and correction, as the catechism says, which includes, of course, our example. That type of person holds weight, carries some weight in front of their eyes. Children, honor, respect your parents. Second, love them. Show all honor, love, and fidelity. This honor and respect that you are to give them is not a mere cold or militaristic kind of honor, which was probably one of the weaknesses of the way it was done way back then when children stood up when their parents walked into the room. Sometimes there was a tendency that that honor was very cold and distant and void of any warmth or love. And the Heidelberg Catechism very wisely in catching the tone of the fifth commandment as a covenantal command from a father, God, to his children, balances out honor with this. That the commandment is also calling for children to love their parents whom they honor so that there's something in the relationship of parents to children that reflects the relationship of Heavenly Father to all of us, His children. That there is both this honor and this love. There is His sense of weightiness. That He is majestic. He is holy. He is respectable. There's no shadow of turning in Him. And so we fall before Him with a sense of reverence. And awe. And at the same time, he loves us. He loves us with a deep, deep fatherly love. And so we come close to him. And he calls us to come close to him. And this must be there in the parent child relationship as well. Both of these things. And there's a calling upon you, child, too, to look at your parents this way with honor and also to look at them as a parent whom I love, and I need to show love to them. Are you showing love to them? Are you speaking to them, opening yourself up to them? Teenagers, a big part of the relationship of love between Heavenly Father and His children is communication. He speaks to us in His Word. We respond to Him in prayer and in our life. So too, the children of parents must speak to their parents. Do you tell your parents that you love them? Do you open yourself up to them? Let them into your world, children, young people? I know for you your teenagers, it's a time when you are discovering things and there is sometimes a temptation for you to want to discover things all by yourself and not include your parents in that. But God has given you parents, not only for your help when you are very young, but for this time of your life, when you're teenagers. 
to lead you and to guide you, to walk through this with you, to show you what you are discovering, have a proper understanding of what you are discovering. They're a blessing of God to you. When's the last time you opened up to them, sought out their wisdom? When's the last time you thanked them? Genuinely. Of course, they will do everything that they are called to do for you as parents, whether or not you thank them. But it's not a bad idea to think to yourself, you know, mom probably doesn't always want to wash my underwear, and yet she keeps doing it. Thanks, mom. Or dad probably doesn't always like to get up early to go to work, but he still does it. Thanks, dad. That's love. And parents, just like with honor, they are to honor you. That's the calling of this fifth commandment. But are you being honorable? That helps them. So to hear, they are to love you and show this love to you. Are you loving them? Bond. Communication. When's the last time you asked them good questions, got into their world, got into their mind, tried to understand, really listened to them? When's the last time you looked them in the eyes and told them, I really, really love you, child? When's the last time you explained to them the reason why I wash your underwear even if I don't feel like it is because I love you and I always want the best for you. And that's true in my discipline too, child, you see. And the reason why I get up and go to work and provide for you, child, is because I love you. And that's true in my discipline too that you don't always like, but I do, I love you. Honor, love. Third, the command to you, children, is to show fidelity to your parents. To show all honor, love, and fidelity to your parents. Fidelity is faithfulness. It's a word that maybe makes us think first of the relationship of a husband and a wife. They are to be faithful to one another till death they do part. Well, there must be fidelity in the relationship of children to parents to faithfulness. This kind of commitment to them. Or you don't say, well, now I'm a teenager, and so they're over here, and my life is going to go over here, and I'm not connected to them really anymore, except this is a place for me to sleep at night. Fidelity to them. I'm bound to them, and I'm committed to them in this relationship. And even though it takes effort to talk to them, I'm going to talk to them because I'm bound to them. And even as we grow up and leave the home, fidelity, faithfulness to our parents, huh? Helping them, taking care of them when they're getting into old age, like our Lord Himself was faithful to His own earthly mother while He's hanging there upon the cross with a million other things running through His mind. And yet, woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He knew that she needed to be taken care of in her old age. 
And he was faithful to her as a good son. Fidelity. And fidelity, of course, from parents to their children, like with honor and love, so that it draws this out of them. Like Mary was faithful to her son when everybody else forsook him. She and a few of the other ladies were there at the foot of the cross. Your faithfulness to them, parents, that in spite of their sins and in spite of their annoyances, you are still bound to them and faithful to them. They see this, and it calls them to be faithful to you. Love, honor, and fidelity, children, that's first. And now, all three of those things express themselves, not only in the ways that we've said at this point, but especially now in this way that the catechism goes on to tell us. That I show all honor, love, and fidelity. And now here's the action that comes out of that. That I submit myself to their good instruction with due obedience and patiently bear with their weaknesses. Especially there is where honor, love, and fidelity shows itself. This is where the rubber really meets the road. That I submit to them. I submit to their instruction. I submit to their commands. And I obey them. To submit or to obey is to place one's will under the will of another. And to allow one's will to be directed by that will of the other. Not just when you feel like it. Not with all kinds of backbiting and arguing. And right away, yes, yes, Dad, yes, Mom. Yes, they're going to tell you some things that you don't want to hear and that you don't like. Sometimes you might think it doesn't even make sense. But out of honor, love, and fidelity, I place my will under their will. Because I honor them, because I respect them in the position that God has given them, I will obey them. Because I love them, I am bound to them, I have a a life, a relationship with them, I will obey them and submit to them because I have this fidelity to them, this faithfulness to them that God calls from me or I don't forsake them. I understand they have sins and they have weaknesses, but I'm going to forgive their sins and their weaknesses and I'm not going to go my own way when I see their sins and weaknesses, but I'm bound to them and I'm faithful to them. I'm not going to reject them and go over here by myself. Out of honor, love, and fidelity, submit and obey. That's hard to do, isn't it, children and young people? And it's hard not only because your parents have sins and weaknesses, but it's hard because you have sin and weaknesses. 
Are you realizing, children, teenagers, are you realizing just how true it is? Everything that they have taught you about total depravity, about human nature, and everything you're, you're learning in catechism, that we are conceived and born in sin, and that we are rebels to the core apart from the grace of Jehovah God. And even as that grace is working in us and we have this new life, there is still that old man in there that is a rebel. Are you seeing just how real that is? There is rebellion in your heart. And that's why it is so hard to place your will under the will of your parents and to submit to them and to obey them. You know, it's striking for you to see children and young people that even though Jesus was sinless and he didn't have that old man, he had no rebellion in his heart whatsoever, it still wasn't just easy for Jesus to submit to his parents. There was no sin in him, no rebellion in his heart as there is in yours. But he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And that's not only true of him as an adult, but that's true of him as a child, as an eight-year-old. He was tempted without sin, without rebellion, with regard to obedience to his parents, as a 12-year-old, as a 16-year-old. And yet, he submitted his will under theirs perfectly, so he did. Luke 2, verse 51, which we read this morning, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. That's precisely what submission and obedience is. He was subject unto them. He put his will under theirs. Now think about that for just a moment. He is the Son of God made flesh. As this passage shows us, he knows a whole lot more about the Bible than his parents do. He is God come down amongst us. He created his dad and mom. And his dad and mom are sinners, and he is not. And yet he put his will under their will. He submitted himself to them because he honored them for the position that God had placed them in in his life because he loved them. They forgave their sins and their weaknesses as parents. Because he had fidelity towards them, faithfulness towards them. He wasn't going to push them away when those sins and weaknesses came out. But he was going to show his faithfulness to them. Here's your example, children. The Lord Jesus himself, as a young boy, placing his will under the will of his parents. The only time you may disobey your parents is if they tell you to do something that is against the Word of God. That's the only time Jesus disobeyed His parents, which He did too in the passage that we read this morning from Luke chapter 2. He didn't go home with His parents from the Passover. He disobeyed them but sinlessly so. He must disobey them. He had to be about his father's business, and they were standing away in his father's 
business. And he was submit was to submit to his heavenly Father, even above them. But in everything else, everything lawful, he subjected himself to them in spite of their sins and their weaknesses and did so perfectly from his heart. And that brings us to the gospel for you children and young people. This command, the fifth command, is law for you children and young people, directly spoken to you from Jehovah God, directly addressed to you as the children and youth of the church. But the gospel also comes through the Word of God in such a way that it speaks directly to you as children and young people of the church. Do you see your own sin in light of this fifth commandment? The law of God is a threefold use for you two children, does it not? And if you've been listening at all this morning, you feel conviction by the Holy Spirit. That's the first use of the law to convict you of your sin. You don't always take your will and submit it to the will of your parents. You don't always show a love, honor, and fidelity to your parents. Because there's times when you love yourself more than you love them, when you honor yourself more than you honor them, when you're faithful to yourself above all else. You aren't like the Lord Jesus. You're not perfectly submissive to your parents. And you sit here this morning, and you know it. I am a sinner, God, against this fifth commandment, this command that you especially wrote to me as a child, as a teenager, as a young person, and directed especially to me. I disobey it. I break it. Oh, children. Oh, young people. Luke 2 ought to be so precious to you, so important to you. There is very little recorded of the life of Jesus as a child and a teenager. But children and young people, you had better give great thanks to your God that at least Luke 2 verse 51 is recorded because it's recorded for you. He was subject to unto them. As the fifth commandment comes as law to you, specifically to you, so Luke 2 verse 51 comes specifically as gospel to you. Not only to give you an example of what it is to obey that too, but now this, to show you that there is a righteousness that is for you. That there is someone who obeyed this fifth commandment perfectly from the heart and can impute his righteousness to you, that there was an eight-year-old, that there was a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old who lived on this earth and subjected himself to the fifth commandment perfectly from the heart and fulfilled all righteousness so that he can impute his righteousness to you, eight-year-old, for your disobedience to your parents, for you 12-year-old, 
17-year-old, for your disobedience to your parents. There's a 12-year-old's righteousness. There's a 6-year-old's righteousness. It can be given to you, your 6-year-old self, to cover your 6-year-old sins. He didn't just obey God when he became an adult. He obeyed God as a child that he might impute righteousness to you who break his law as a child. And when you sit here under this sermon and say before God in your heart and say it before God in your heart, God, I have sinned against this command and I know it. I haven't always obeyed my God. I haven't always obeyed my earthly parents. I'm guilty before thee in the covenant, and I know what that means for me too. I know that I deserve the punishment of hell. I know it this morning, and I feel the conviction of it that here's what you do, children. In your mind, in your heart, right now in this service, you run to your Jesus. Who has lived the eight-year-old life that you cannot live? Who has lived the 12-year-old, the 14-year-old, the 18-year-old life that you cannot live in perfect righteousness? And who freely grants that his life of perfect obedience be imputed to you. Obedience to this fifth commandment that you break to that's especially directed to you. He takes your sin against this fifth commandment and imputes it upon his own head and takes the punishment for your sins upon himself so that you are free of the guilt of your sins against this command. And who does it? Because he loves you, children. Because he loves you. Oh, how he must love you. To leave his throne from above And to come down here and to be a six-year-old boy obeying his parents so that there might be a righteousness that can be imputed to you when you disobey your parents. How he must love you. Don't you love him for that? Doesn't that stir your heart? And their adoration of him is your Savior, then tell him thanks by coming right back to this fifth commandment and saying, Lord Christ, I'm going to try so hard to honor you by honoring my parents, to love thee by loving my parents, to be faithful to thee by being faithful to my parents. And I'm going to trust that thou wilt care for me through the parents that thou hast given to me. Because, God, if you have loved me so much, and Christ, if you have loved me so much, that you would come down here in the person of the Son of God made flesh and live as a 8-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, the one that I couldn't be, and obey this fifth commandment perfectly on my behalf, and impute your righteousness to me. And take my sin upon yourself. And bear the punishment. If you love me that much, 
then I can trust you, God. When you come to me in that fifth commandment and you say, children, out of love for you, I give you this command. I've given you parents. Trust me. This is going to be good for you that you put your will under theirs. I'm the God who sent Christ for you. Trust my command for you that it's good. And trust that I'm also working in your parents to give you what you need. It's kind of risky, isn't it, children? teenagers. Place your will under the will of another. What allows you to do that is first what we just said. The God who tells you to do it also sent Christ for you. You know He loves you. That's the proof of His love. And so He gives me this command too then I can trust that it's good. And then this, secondly, That this same thing that's going on with me, I can trust is also going on with them. That they feel convicted for not always being honorable and not always being loving and not always being faithful and not always giving a good example and good instruction. And that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Christ who lived and died for them too, and imputes His righteousness as an adult, as one who has taken care of His disciples and all of God's children in a fatherly manner, and gave them good instruction, and imputes His righteousness to them as parents, and takes away their sins upon Himself. So that they look at this Jesus, and they look at this God who sent Him and say, This God loves me. And the same thing is going on inside their own minds and their own hearts. And they're responding to that by saying, God, You proved Your love to me in sending Your Son. And now if You call me to put away my selfish desires in order to be the kind of parent that I'm supposed to be, that I'm going to trust what you say as my God and trust that this is right and good for me and good for my children. And children, you can trust that that's going on in them. And therefore, they are seeking to be honorable and to give you good instruction, and to love you, and to be faithful to you, and God will use that in your life. And you can trust too, that when this God says, that in the way of obedience to this command, there is blessings for you children. There will be blessings for you. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 points out that this fifth commandment is the first of the ten. If you're going through the ten, this is the first one of the ten that has a promise attached to it. The first commandment with promise. In the record of the law in Deuteronomy 5, 
And that promise reads this way. Deuteronomy 5.16 That thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Why did God attach a promise to the fifth commandment? Is it not just another way of showing His love for you children? Children need encouragement. Is this not His loving encouragement to you children in this command that He directs specifically to you in the way of your obedience to this commandment? It will go well with you in your life. First, because in Christ's obedience to this commandment, He earns all of the blessings that come from this promise. And He can distribute them upon you. And some of them, He distributes upon you in a particular way, in the way of obedience that He leads you to walk in. It will go well with you. Think of the wisdom that you will gain from submission to the instruction of your parents. You will follow the Lord Jesus Christ in this. Don't forget verse 52 of Luke chapter 2. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. It's no coincidence that verse 52 follows verse 51. In part, he grew from perfect wisdom to a greater degree of perfect wisdom in the way of obedience to his own parents. And you will grow in wisdom in the way of obedience to your parents. It will go well with you, children. You will be spared a lot of the mess that comes with rebellion against parents. It will go well with you, children. You'll be able to navigate all the other of life's relationships in a better way. Remember we said in the introduction, there's authority and submission everywhere you turn. How are you going to learn to submit yourself to the boss at work, to the law of the land, Girls, how are you going to learn to submit yourself to a husband someday? Men, to submit your headship to Jesus Christ. How are we going to learn to submit ourselves to the elders of the church? It's as the children grow up learning this in the home. Along this path, it will go well for you. Not that there won't be any troubles in your life. There will be many, but it will go well with you until the day He leads you along this path to the heavenly Canaan that is above, earned by Christ and His obedience to this law and every other law, the inheritor of this promise, that this land, not Canaan, but heaven that is above, that He can grant to you as He leads you along this way to that end. Amen. Let us pray. Father, bless Thy Word to our hearts, and especially to the hearts of the children and youth of the church, we pray. Strengthen us, also as parents in our callings, that there might be a bond between us as parents and children of honor, love, respect, and fidelity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.